0: Alright folks, welcome to Jet Setra. It's the Winnipeg Free Press podcast about the Jets, sports, and etc. I'm your host, Sports Editor Steve Lyons. I like that. That's game <laughs> that's like a game show. And I'm joined as usual by sports columnist Mike McIntyre. <laughs> Indeed. Mike, it's episode seventy-two. The Leo Ezrin's episode. <laughs> Not yeah. the
1: Scott Kosmachuk episode, who no. was the only Jet player to ever wear that. Or number. the
0: Sergei Bobrovsky B- B- episode. Oh, he, he wears he currently wears number seventy-two. He does, yeah. Um, there was another person who wore seventy-two, Matthew Schneider,
1: for the Montreal Canadiens, oh. I believe, wore number seventy-two. I believe is with the NHL Players Association in some capacity. Leo,
0: one of the good guys of all time in the CFL for sure. Great big smiley guy. Played ten seasons as a line, ten seasons as a linebacker in the CFL. I think four with the Bombers and six with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The Bombers and the Tiger Cats, of course, played last week. Ezrins is a Winnipeg native. In case you didn't know this, Mike, you've heard of Leo Ezrin, right? I have. Uh, about an hour ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Funny story. How I heard yeah, about. Yeah, him. yeah.
0: <laughs> We're re-recording this. We didn't like the first one. We're redoing this. But Mike did hear my Leo Ezra story. So. Interesting note about Leo that I did not know uh, prior to doing a little research on him uh, for this podcast is that Leo is currently the all-time interceptions, leaders, interceptions leader for Canadian linebackers. That's a lot of S's. Mm-hmm. With 25, he had 25 interceptions, Mike. He was a ball hawk. He was. Um, good player. Um, Leo also created, founded, and currently leads... The CFL Alumni Association, and some of you may have remembered that he was the guy <laughs> who had to explain why Joe Cap and Angela Mosca decided to throw start throwing chairs at each other during a during a luncheon, a CFL Alumni luncheon, a
1: number of years ago. Did
0: you ever see that YouTube?
1: video? I did. Oh, it went. I mean, it made. It was on ESPN. Like, it made a lot of, I think it was on TMZ. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. Like, it was it, a pro wrestling match. Like, Vince McMahon would have been proud. Folks,
0: if you haven't seen it, Google, if you got the googly thing, Google Joe Cap slash Angela Mosca. And the two Hall of Fame great CFL players decide to, in their 70s, <laughs> decide to go at it. I hope I don't go at it when my 70s, Mike. <laughs>
1: I mean, like, there's it, it's sort of like a version of road rage. I don't know what really got into them. There must have been a history. Lunch and that, rage. There was a history, obviously. Between yeah, totally. Them. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, Mosca claims that Cap still had some sort of grudge going on or something like that. Uh-huh. Um. Anyways, Joel Cap went on to a Hollywood career. Angela Mosca went on to a wrestling career, right?
1: He did. Yeah. I mean, he you was could, a wrestler. He right? was. Yeah. And you could see that part of him come out. <laughs> Uh, front and center in that particular luncheon. But yeah, that's a neat story about about Leo, who okay. you have like a family connection to, right? Sort of?
0: Uh, and my dad and him uh, had some mutual friends. Yeah. I and I have a couple of mutual friends with Leo as well. Um, yeah. Anyways, today, folks, we're going to chat about the Winnipeg Jets contract situation with Andrew Cop and Neil Pionk. We'll talk about the Bombers' first game in 14 years. Ha-ha. <laughs> we'll talk about the Canadian medal rush at the Tokyo Games the relaxed restrictions in Manitoba, and as usual, Mike's golf game and my long-awaited return to the sport. We're going to talk about
1: what's bugging us, pun intended. Yeah, as well. A lot of wasps out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you folks noticed the increasing number of wasps?
1: Are, are you waiting out? for an answer from yeah, folks? Are, they there? <laughs> are,
0: they, are you there? <laughs>
1: A lot of people probably just nodded their heads affirmatively. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. On to the first period.
1: That was not the sound of a wasp. It wasn't.
0: Um, Mike, Andrew Kopp and Neil Pionk, forward Andrew Kopp, defenseman Neil Pionk, are currently uh, restricted free agents trying to get new contracts from the Winnipeg Jets. They both have arbitration hearings this month. Neil Pionk's is this week, Friday. Yeah. Um, I guess COPS is the 26th or something like
1: that? 26th, which is the last wow. day of the arbitration process. I'm paying attention, folks. You are?
0: Yeah. Just, just in case you... So the deal is that they haven't been able to come to a, uh, a, a new contract with the team, so then they go to arbitration, and then what happens there, Mike, is that the team submits what they think the guy's worth. Yep. The player submits what he thinks he's worth, and then the arbitrator decides one or the other or does it cut down the middle sometimes
1: almost always cut down the middle right down the middle yeah i mean that's usually the way it works uh and and it's binding so neither team can like walk away from it they have to like the player can't say well that's not fair i'm going to hold out and the team can't say that's outrageous we're not going to pay that like it's binding so they have to that's the the route that they've taken uh and I believe, Steve, there were 17 NHL players who elected for binding arbitration this summer. I, I, I believe at least 10 of them already have settled. So very few of these hearings go ahead. The, the arbitration almost acts as a deadline, right? And so the clock is ticking for the Jets for sure.
0: So um, let's talk about each one individually, Mike. Uh, so uh, as a backdrop, though, we'll mention that the Jets are kind of up against it yeah. as far as the salary cap goes. They got as you wrote in a column last week, they have about $10.5 million to deal with, and that includes the 5.25 or whatever. a what little relief. 5.25 or point five
1: point seven five. 5.125. Whew, a lot of Yeah, a lot of numbers there. A lot of numbers.
0: And um, so uh, that's what they have to work with, and um, if they can get those two guys signed in that amount, then they wouldn't have to make any other moves. Right. Uh, but both of those guys probably want uh enough money that would put them over that so anyways Andrew Kopp you're hearing wants somewhere in the five five
1: five and a half five
0: five and a half a year so um it's a lot of money what do you think he's worth if you were the arbitrator what what would you what would you I'm I'm saying 4.75
1: I don't know why I just said that
0: yeah I like the (laughs) 0.75 4.7525 (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh really? You're you're really breaking that down. So you know it's interesting. You look at market value, and and the Jets will no doubt point Jacob. How Brock, old is Andrew Kopp? Twenty-seven. Oh, so he still got yeah. he still got a
0: handful of years left. It does. I mean, so how many it, years would you give him in a term?
1: Well, then that there's the other thing. Like the Jets, they could they would probably give him a longer term if they could get the number down. And that's often what you have to do. Look at what Edmonton just did with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They probably gave him way too much term, but they wanted to keep his number down around five. So they gave him extra years. And you're seeing that a lot with some of these contracts that are being handed out. Too much term, but to keep the number manageable in a flat cap. And so if you're the Jets, I mean, I'd be wary of giving Andrew Kopp anything more than five years. You may have to, though, if you want to keep his number at a salary that that fits with your AV, but to me, you'd almost want, he's part of the current core, right? So don't you kind of want him to marry up with those? So you've got. That
0: means you want him for three more years then, because they're all running out in three years. Yeah.
1: Um, A lot of their, right. Their main, their main guys, I mean, Blake Wheeler, and you could go down the list are in that three. Yep. So, you know, the jets, if, if cop is asking for something over five, and I suspect Neil Pionk, is looking for josh morrissey money steve and josh morrissey's making six point two six point two five and if jo- uh, neil Pionk's probably looking around the market right now i mean look at all these defensemen darnell nurse nine million seth jones nine million dougie hamilton he was a ufa nine million zach Rewensky, nine million plus uh, and some of those guys that I just mentioned, certainly Nurse and Rorenski, Neil Pionk's put up a lot more points than them in the last couple of years combined. I'm not saying Neil Pionk's getting nine million, but is six million all that unreasonable uh, for a defenseman with his numbers? Probably not.
0: I think six is uh, about where right. Right, but he where the sit, problem yeah.
1: for the Jets comes, if,
0: but again, for how long?
1: Well, so Neil Pionk's only twenty five. Like I think, I mean, if you could. Lock Neil Pionk up for seven years. You do it. I or think. Do
0: you, the, my only my only concern with Pionk, and this is the same concern I have with Cop, is that okay? I, and I'm this is just me. I I tend to like guys that were picked high in the draft. Yep. And 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 so uh, other guys they come lower in the draft. I mean, Pionk wasn't even drafted. No. And so then they they play well. They're put in positions there where they they do well. And they, don't get me wrong, they're good players. They. They work hard in the offseason, they get themselves fit and they play well and everything. But are they really the type of guy that you want to marry to for five, six, seven right. years at six million dollars a year? They're not Nikolai Ehlers types. They're not no. uh, uh, Kyle Connors types. They're not Josh Morrissey types, I don't think. Do do guys like that get uh, I don't know, do, do do guys like that get longer term big money
1: contracts right. like that. Well, and here's the problem, say, with a guy like Neil Pionk.
0: Darnell Nurse was taken, what, fourth overall he or was, something? He yeah. Like, was, yeah. That's so a with, different creature. With Neil
1: Pionk, no question his offensive numbers have been inflated by getting power play time with a pretty good power play with – pretty good power play players. Yeah,
0: and even on offense, you just pass it up to those guys right. and they score, let, right? Yeah.
1: Let Connors and Ealer and Patrick Lyonet and Shifley and all those guys do their work.
0: I don't see him as a play driver, really.
1: No, and so, and here's... Not it, like Darnell Nurse is. To give you um, some inside look at what the Jets' argument might be if this goes to arbitration on Friday, if they don't get a deal done before then, the Jets will probably argue that Pionk's numbers are actually going to regress here They just brought Nate Schmidt in on a trade. Nate Schmidt's going to be on one of the power play units. I suspect Josh Morrissey, their first round draft pick slash alternate captain slash guy they've committed long term to is also going to be on the power. Is Neil Pionk even on the power play next year? I mean, the Jets tend to go four forwards, one blue liner, right? So maybe they tweak that with Pionk to get him some power play time. But if Neil Pionk's not on your power play, are you paying six-plus to a guy that his points might take a big dip because oh, he's more well, of a five-on-five five guy?
0: He, he's played well. He, he's had a couple of really good seasons here. But if you have Morrissey, Schmidt... Brendan Dillon, Dylan, Dylan DeMello. Dylan. I mean
1: Logan Stanley, Billy like, Hainelah, Dylan Samber. Where you know, where
0: is he is he a one-two defenseman? I don't think so. Is he three four? Is he number four? Like what, right. so yeah, I don't know. Like you know That's like,
1: the risk for sure. And if you had unlimited money to if you're the Detroit Red Wings and you're early in a rebuild and you've got all this money and you don't then maybe you don't worry about that so much. The Jets aren't in that stage. They're in a win now mode. They have to make every cent count. And They'd also like to keep Andrew Kopp in the fold, but again, Andrew Kopp's a guy, Steve, that last year benefited. He put up career offensive numbers, but part of that was he was playing with really good players, often in the top two line. They got him away from his usual checking role with Adam Lowry. Um, Part of that was because, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois was injured a lot. They... The Jets traded Line and Roslevic. So, and Dubois was in quarantine, then he got hurt. So, Kopp had a chance to move into the top six and he did well with it. Is he that play driver? Is he the offensive driver or is he just a nice complimentary piece whose numbers got inflated a bit? And again, if you're in, if you're the Jets, are you committing five plus to a guy over many years f- who's probably not getting in your top? If everybody's healthy, and playing as you expect, Andrew Cop's not a top six forward on the Jets.
0: No, probably not. So, yeah, that's a lot of money. What would they pay Zach Hyman in Edmonton? Is he as good as Zach Hyman is?
1: No. No. Okay. No, he's right. not. And Zach Hyman just again, too much term for Zach Hyman for sure. Uh, seven years, and he, and Zach Hyman's, he's gonna be in his mid thirties when that and that contract probably doesn't age well. But Zach Hyman has put up a lot more points in Andrew Kopp. And over a longer period of time, and he just signed for just over five. So if you're the if you're the Jets, you're using Hyman's deal, Nugent Hopkins, who was a first overall pick. And even Jacob Verana today, who was set for arbitration with Detroit, uh, he just settled for 5.25. And Jacob Verana is a perennial 25 goal scorer in the NHL. Andrew Kopp would have projected to have close to 20-ish this past year, but he's not a proven year after year 25 so i mean i think that things are swaying closer to the jets to me i'll say four and a half on andrew cop you said 4.75 they do have a little more time with cop and i guess the good news for the jets sort of is that this will get resolved this month this won't drag into training camp the bad news is depending what those numbers come in at some surgery may be required to the roster.
0: All right, folks. We're back for the second period of our jet set uh, podcast. Mike, the Bombers played last week. The CFL played last week, Mike. <laughs> Fourteen years later, just kidding, folks. Um, seems like it. The Bombers had not played since November of 2019, when they won the Grey Cup championship game versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They kicked off a 2021 season. Last Thursday night at IG Field against those same Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, Of course, the league didn't play last year owing to the uh, global pandemic. Um, Almost 30,000 people in the stands. They raised the championship banner, sort of. They raised a a championship (laughs) banner. It had 11 championships on it.
1: It's 11 banners rolled into one a, banner. Yes, it was.
0: It, it, it was nice. I, I, I didn't mind it. I, I was, I, you know, sometimes expectations cause problems. I was expecting a singular banner. Yeah. Banner.
1: If you were part of that team, don't you want a banner just trumpeting what you did? Well, I guess.
0: I, I, although, on the other hand, you know, on the other side of the coin, it was nice to kind of see all of the championships kind of uh, honored. But, yeah, I was expecting something different. Yeah. And And... The fireworks, I didn't the fireworks weren't enough. Come on, Wade, a little more fireworks, come on.
1: <laughs> Is that because we were in a drought? They didn't want to start the city Maybe, on fire, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, never thought of that. Okay, so um, almost thirty thousand. Now, some people thought, Mike, that that crowd was a little. Why wasn't there a sellout? Yeah. Well, I don't know. What do you
1: think? I I, 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 I wondered that a bit. I I thought I thought if there was going to be a game that sold out, usually the Banjo Bowl kind of sells out because you get the Saskatchewan. Influence as well, right? People come in from Regina and Saskatoon and and elsewhere, and and so usually you get a sellout there. But I thought first game back and all the hype, and not just even if you were on the fence about maybe the Bombers, that it was a celebration, if you will, of a return to some things that we left behind. But uh, I think as we're discovering, Steve, as we work through these new protocols or relaxed protocols, that people are still a little trepidatious about just jumping back in whether it's still wearing your mask even if you don't have to and that's going on a lot or not going to a place where there's going to be 30,000 mostly unmasked granted outdoors granted double vaxxed which were all the requirements uh, and throw in the fact that they were telling people you got to come really early. I mean some people may have thought it's not worth the hassle. Another thing we don't even talk about but like t- television these days, everybody's got like HD, and you can get a seventy-inch television for like five hundred bucks. And the game it actually looks costs,
0: you, it costs you more to subscribe to the bloody thing than right. it costs you to buy it. But I TV. mean, the game
1: looks pretty good on TV, and and like it's not like it used to be where you maybe had to.
0: I, I think a few things uh, you touched on a few things, but I think that people, I think just in general, myself included, I'm I'm a little trepidatious about jumping back into things, and that would include everything from travel. Getting on a plane to go into a, a bomber, I didn't have any problems going to the bomber game, but I, I get to just drive up and park thirty feet away from the uh, right from the the entrance and go into a media entrance where there's no lineup and I you know so you know for me it's it's a simple process and I knew that but I mean if I was a if I was uh, the general public and I was going to the game and knew that there was going to be potentially, you know, long traffic lines, which were there wasn't by the way, folks. And then, and then, and then, um, you know, and then standing in line waiting to show my QR code and all that kind of thing, whatever there was lineups for that. Yeah. And then, and then, so I, I just think just in general, you know, some of us, you know, might have a wait and see approach on a lot of different things. And so I think there was a lot of people that I will say though, that, you know, the bombers and the CFL in general will have to, uh, you know, re-energize mm-hmm. people. I think that uh, out of sight, out of mind, um, the league has been out of sight for quite a while and out of mind to a lot of people. And so getting a, a fan base, you know, back on board is going to take some effort. Um, I thought they did a good job of it, though. I thought that people got in and out pretty quickly and it, yeah. they, they seemed to be enjoying
1: themselves. I mean, and- the Bombers have said they're going to address some of the issues, some of the lines for concessions, which, as you say, were always big to begin with. I know that... They, they're not taking, um, or it's cash only, I believe, right?
0: I don't know. But, I didn't go down to the
1: concessions. Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever. Is that I what heard, it is? I don't know. I think so. Who has cash? I
0: do you have any cash in your pocket? I don't carry
1: cash. No, I never have cash. Hang no. on. Hang
0: on. I got something in
1: my pocket here.
0: <laughs> I got a $5 bill. I've had this you in do? my pocket. I keep taking it out of my pocket, yeah. putting it on my dresser every night when I get home. And then the next day I look at it and I go, should I put that in my pocket? I might need it. I might need it. So I put it in my pocket and oh. I just continue to put it in my pocket, but I don't have any use for it really.
1: Yeah. It's a pretty cashless society. Um, so, you know, the, the, and I think they ran out of some food and stuff. They and ran
0: out of food. What kind of food?
1: I don't know. I heard that they were only, that they were down to like the bare bones by even just after halftime.
0: Oh, right like, on. Well, yeah. good for them. Um so
1: people came hungry, there, hungry for football. Yeah, there was going to be some kinks to be worked out for sure. Now, as for the on-field product, uh, I don't think anybody could be disappointed with what the bombers produced there. Like, um, they kind of picked up where they left off all those months ago, uh, and you know they were missing a couple key offensive weapons in Andrew Harris and Darvin Adams, but uh, they certainly put up enough points, and that defense is absolutely relentless Steve uh, and yeah, they so did it it should be noted they held Hamilton what they score six yeah six points right a Hamilton what the l- score was? they were scored like score. 19-6 right that what it was? yeah. and those six points were put up like in the first few minutes of the game uh-huh. uh, and this is a Hamilton team that some people pundits were predicting was the best team in the league the team to beat now,
0: it, was, it was weird I, I don't understand i'm not uh, i'm not orlando steinhauer he's the head coach of the hamilton tire Cats, by the way folks uh, i don't understand why he left jeremiah mazzoli in for the whole game he clearly wasn't doing anything no um he's tied to mazzoli clearly i mean they, they went to the great cup last year last year two years ago after mazzoli got hurt with dane evans dane as the cornerback, yeah. and he was pretty good um i probably would have switched it up a little bit but anyways the the bombers defense was yeah was relentless mm-hmm. I mean they their their front line they're uh, like like with Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeff code and Jonathan Kongbo and Jake Thomas and Andrew Big Hill and and uh, you know their front their defensive front Mike is as good as any that I've seen uh, around these parts in a long a long time yeah you know and um, they're gonna make it awfully difficult for teams um, just in general Michael Shea has built a, a you know a, a team based around winning it in the trenches, right? And uh, their offensive line and their defensive line, they they dominate. Yeah, I think that that's how they won the Grey Cup. It is they physically manhandled Hamilton and Calgary, Saskatchewan uh, played pretty well against them. Saskatchewan's got a good team when it comes to that as well. And um, so uh, they're going to be a tough team this year. I'm not sure why people w- were picking them fourth. the uh, preseason yeah, people were strange. picking them fourth or something. I mean. But
1: certainly the you know zach caleros his health will go a long way i suspect right because we don't know that much is yeah, i
0: did a little research Sean on mcguire
1: zach. like is he I did a
0: little research on zach yesterday you know he's actually played more games he than has thought that he's played
1: yeah he's, isn't, he's i he's think he's had it's some be, injury problems he has and he's had the concussion issue right. right so there's always the fear that he's one big hit away from right. and but and any quarterback is right um but, again, when you talk about the offensive line, like, they, he didn't really get touched very much the other day, right? Like, no. if, they, if they can kind of give him the time, and he actually, like, he was mobile. He, he had a couple runs, like Zach Kolaris, and he's obvi- obviously the deep ball threat that Zach Claras has. Um, and the other thing, there's this plug-and-play mentality, like Brady Oliveira, like, no Andrew Harris no big problem. the je- the The bombers just plugged in another local product. Who you know ran wild, uh, and it it makes you think, Steve. Like, is it then the personnel, or is it more the system that Mike O'Shea and company have a system that it's really designed for success, no matter yeah, who you put in. That. They've
0: they've cultivated right from the day that he came here. They've cultivated this 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 a way of playing. This a a, a typical style of play, a yeah. physical physical style of play. And it and it and the new guys come in and then they feed off of that and so I think that it's just it, it is a general system I mean obviously you got to get the right guys too but I mean there's only nine teams in the league it's pretty easy to get right. guys or whatever it's not it's not but they they get the right guys right and a certain type of guy and they look for a certain type of player and and then they and, and so they they've done a real good job you know. Um, the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have, have, have had struggled for a long period of time. Yeah. I think they have some real good continuity now for sure. Um, with this current coaching staff and management uh, management team or whatever. So, I think
1: one issue of concern, and you touch on this in your playbook, Steve, is they got to get the kicking game figured out. Specifically, I mean they 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 weren't even trying field goals when they were well within normal field goal range, like 45 yards and you're punting. And I get Mike O'Shea, he's playing like a field position game. And obviously trust his defense, right? Like yeah, that it worked. Yeah. It did for the one game. But I don't, can you go through a whole season without having any faith in a guy to kick 45 yards? These guys should be kicking 45 yarders in their sleep. Yeah. And we kind of got spoiled around here, right? Justin Medlock was absolute money. The guy was automatic, and obviously he's moved on. Um, but if they don't get that figured out, like you think that that might come back to bite them sooner or later. That's a lot of points they potentially left on on the on the on the field. Yeah, I,
0: I guess it, we'll, we'll see what happens if they're in a situation where they need to kick a field goal to actually, you know, go ahead in a game or, right. or something like that, as opposed to just hanging on to a lead like they were trying to do. So um, yeah, I, I think that I think that. Uh, uh, those are two questions uh, uh, that the bombers face. Really, Zach Claro's health, and maybe that's not that a big one. And and the kicking game. Uh, yeah, Justin Medlock was a pretty good kicker. <laughs> hey, folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Cetra podcast. Mike, did you watch any Olympics?
1: I did. I I as I wrote in my newsletter last <laughs> week, I was glued to the Olympics. I yeah. especially loved the swimming this year. Swimming was great and uh, Canadians had some good showings in the pool and also so
0: Canada won more gold more medals in general at any non-boycotted correct. olympics other than the year.
1: los angeles non- 84 which that was, was a boycotted, boycotted. yeah yeah uh 24 24 medals 24 total medals um seven gold and uh yeah they had some success i mean couple of the couple of the medals that really stand out obviously under uh, the grass um you know he won a couple medals one individual one with the relay team and the big and he one went a
0: bronze you won three medals
1: three medals that's right uh obviously in the pool penny alexic i didn't watch any of them when i know that penny alexic <laughs> became the most decorated canadian olympian yep. and she's only what 24 got me so she's got another olympics for sure, in sure. Her. like she'll add to her record or there's a good chance she'll yep. add to her record
0: uh, and so the best, the, uh, but yeah. the best performance, hey, g- has to go to this. The uh, my his name is uh, escaping me here. He's from Thunder Bay, right? Warner. Warner,
1: yeah. What's his first name? Did Kurt. <laughs> yeah, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, brothers. Yeah, <laughs> the, the uh, we'll get that in a second here. But that's the so. So the, some
0: people are saying that this performance, I- I- in the heat and in the points he put up and all that he did, was the greatest achievement. By a Canadian,
1: I was going to say Damien. and it so is Damien. Damien Warner. Warner,
0: the greatest achievement by a Canadian athlete ever. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, so decathlon. If you're not aware of it, it combines like all kinds of events, right? And so there's yeah, a, you got your high jump, your shot, right? Broke, your so it's basically your, yeah, the yeah. all events. around ten events. Ten events, yeah. So you can't just be good at Hence one or the two. Decathlon. Is that the where's the d where's the ten part come because well, there's also a pentathlon right that's five
0: it's the Greek number. A pentagon is pentagon. five
1: yeah right. so a de, what is the oh like a, a decade sure decade sure. That's some sort of the Greek word yeah so I mean certainly you'd have your strengths like you have some events you're better at but it's to determine the best all around athlete and you could make a case that Damian Warner is the best overall all-around athlete in the world for sure now easily yeah um
0: yeah that's a no-brainer but is it the best ever ever
1: well he he just set a new record yeah um and canada's never won at this they've never won a gold before Before,
0: i'm hard-pressed like what what are some of the great canadian events performances of all time i don't know like you think of like paul henderson scoring a goal or whatever right right it's not really like an athletic performance yeah, you know, like Donovan, Donovan Bailey, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I mean Ben Johnson was till he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, till he wasn't. Yeah. Um, so,
0: but the, the the event that seemed to capture most people's, uh, most Canadians' attention, and 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 rightfully so, I think, was the women winning the the soccer soccer, soccer for sure. gold, gold medal. Right? You know, Christine Sinclair who you're going to chat with yes, a little later today, Yes, he is
1: later today, yeah. yeah. And, of course, Desiree Scott, of Winnipegger, was right. a part of that team, uh, had a happy homecoming just, last just, night.
0: I mean, the progression of that team, you know, getting better and better right. and better and better and better and then finally winning a beating gold the, medal.
1: And beating the yeah. Americans, that was yeah. almost... I mean, I don't want to say the gold medal win over Sweden was icing on the cake or cherry on the sun. But it kind of was. Like, knocking off the Americans in the semi was almost the... That was the gold medal right there.
0: And but Canadians have had kind of a love affair with this team for quite a time now, right?
1: Yeah, like we've been seeing them building kind of yep. to this moment for yep. sure. And, you know, especially...
0: People are pretty excited about the women winning all those medals too, right?
1: 18 out of the 24 medals were won, the 24 women, were won by women, women, uh, including the first 13. Some people were wondering if... Canada even sent men over the Olympics <laughs> early on the men obviously Damien Warner and degrasse and, and some others I mean they they uh, they showed up big time but yeah I mean women you know good on Canada 24 medals was a great showing I think Canada finished 11th overall in the world and the Summer Olympics are the weaker of the two like Canada does very well trip typically at the winter. Um, but this was a really good showing by the country and yeah, I was invested in watching. I mean, the time difference is an issue. I saw today, Steve, the ratings like NBC's ratings were in the toilet this year compared to the last summer Olympics. I'm sure part of that has to do with... That
0: was the hard thing for me, Mike. It was just, you know, I, 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 you know, it's summertime here. The weather's been beautiful, hot and dry. You know, we finally got a little rain, which is nice to see. It, It was just... I, I love watching the Olympics. I think that it's great. And I watched a little bit here and there or whatever, but it was hard to invest any time in it. You know, like um, I was out in the evening I got this yeah. self-imposed rule that I want, I want to <laughs> the be 9 out, PM rule. I, yeah. the 9 PM rule. I want to be outside till nine o'clock, whether it's working in the yard or just sitting in the yard, reading a book or, or, or reading about sports or uh, on my bike or whatever. And so, and then, and then when I would come in at nine o'clock or whatever, and I got an hour of TV, it wasn't. there wasn't really going. You know, do I want to watch a little Olympics? I would a little if I wasn't watching something else or yeah. whatever. It's, it was just the time thing. Way it made it a little hard. Plus, it's in the summer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and
1: it's it's in a summer where we're finally getting. Some of our freedoms, yeah. if you will, yeah. so the yeah. ability to I'm do more. I'm not sure I want so. to
0: spend any time in front of the television, frankly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So maybe not a surprise that ratings took hit Add in the 14 hour time difference that yeah. a lot of the big events were happening in the middle of the night here, like live. So you either, I mean, I, I watch already knowing results of some things. Because it's hard to avoid you know, spoilers nowadays with social media and stuff. Right. So you'd see it on Facebook. You're on that social media thing? I am you? on that social media. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all, all things considered, uh, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to uh, the Winter Games and to see what Canada could can do, especially with NHL involvement uh, and, and perhaps some Winnipeg Jets, uh, lace them up for their country. But uh, it was a good event, and Canada certainly had a great showing on a, on a big stage.
0: <laughs> All right, folks, we're back for the overtime period of our Jet Etc. podcast. Well, Mike, while you weren't watching the Olympics, or while I wasn't watching the Olympics, out and about, as I said, trying to spend some time outdoors, uh, getting bothered by the bugs, though. <laughs> hey, what's what's with the wasps? So, Is there something going on with the wasps?
1: Taz uh, Stewart, who used to be the, uh, the, the head bug guy for the city. Says I think, the
0: wasps are mad?
1: Well, he said they're... You said there's not necessarily more of them this year but they're they're angrier. What are they angry at? I don't know they they they're on social media they're too off I guess. Wasps. Yeah, they're just everybody's mad. I, Every, that's true. Everybody's Every, mad at everything and yeah. that includes the wasps apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh no, they're mad because there's not the usual and I don't know what their normal food source so, sorry, is. So are restrictions
0: going on? They got their yeah, <laughs> they have to wear masks. They? <laughs> they, they don't like being, wearing masks. Well, so they're it's... not wearing masks because they're biting me. I yeah, got that's... stung again. Yeah. I, I know you know this or whatever. I posted it on Facebook. But on Sunday, I was riding my bike down this trail in St. Vitel and all of a sudden I got bit right on the quad. It's the second time I've been bitten by a wasp while biking this year, earlier this year, also on a trail in St. Vitel. I don't know what the hell's going on in St. Vittell.
1: They're especially angry in St. vital Apparently. I grew
0: up in St. vital Yeah. Okay. Now this is on, I will say though, that this is on the west, east side of St. Anne's Road, which is a different part of St. Vittell. Right. I grew up on the other side of St. Anne's Road. But anyways, I digress. But yeah, like what the hell's going on?
1: Are it's you just, like biking right through one of their nests or something? No, or?
0: just down trails. I it's yeah. through forested
1: trails. They've, sure.
0: They have beautiful forested trails in Saint Vital, I will say
1: that. So I mean, like what is the problem with wasps? Like bees bees just mind their own business, right? Yeah, bees are nice. They're cute. They're kinda pretty. You know what I mean? But wasps, they're like, oh yeah? You want to go? <laughs> like, what's that all about? And like, what did you do? I mean, did you bike into the wasp and it got mad? I so muster. it's like, I'll show him. I must um But I, I, I once got stung by a wasp and in a terrible place. I got stung in my mouth. <laughs> One flew in my mouth, stung me inside my cheek and my face swelled up <laughs> while I was biking. I didn't, I had been stung before, never had an allergic reaction, but... I hadn't been stung inside my mouth and this time, like I could feel my cheek puffing up and I was a little worried that my throat was going to close. It didn't. Um, but yeah, they are, they are really irritable this year as are grasshoppers. And I've run into <laughs> way too many grasshoppers this year on my walks. Like they're flying into my face and I'm not a big fan of that, Steve. Is there more grasshoppers? I don't know. There so, is. So I, yes. like,
0: I like riding my bike on the grass. I like the feel of it. And there's a couple of uh, spots where I ride across the grass on my way to work. Here. Right. And, um, and all the grasshoppers
1: go flying up or yeah. whatever. and it's kind of cute. And they, they can fly
0: they, they, and they make little noises. They hit your spokes and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's that's not cool. cute at all.
1: Actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost borderline terrifying. Um, they're weird looking. They are. So, what's the you know when you the, the apocalypse and the sign of end times like aren't like fires and swarms of locusts all kind of, and here we are like we've got now we got rain the last two days which has been nice but we've we got all this smoke in the air we've got swarms of locusts. Front page
0: of today's free press here, Mike. Code red Code for red humanity. For humanity, you see it right there. Uh, yeah, like hey, right there, Mike. It uh, says it right there. Code red. Heat waves. Droughts, flooding, wildfires. They don't say anything about the bugs. Doesn't say the locusts. Yeah, and the bugs and the smoke. Yeah, what about the smoke? Right.
1: So it's all just like end times, unfortunately. But Not to mention
0: this pandemic thing,
1: right? Right. Um, what so, are you yeah. going to do? What are
0: you going to do? You might as well go and play a game of golf.
1: Right. And I so I was on the golf course yesterday, my 11th round of the year, beautiful Granite Hills, uh, and played in the rain, Steve, which I will not complain about at all because we've desperately needed the rain. Um, And it's one of those rains where the first couple holes, you're like, well, this isn't a lot of fun. And then honestly, I forgot that I was soaked to the bone by the end of the round. Cost me a few strokes. My club was slipping. I could not keep my clubs dry. Uh, I'm happy to report, though, there were no grasshoppers, there were no wasps, there were a lot of frogs on the golf course. No bugs on the course? No, there weren't. Maybe they don't like the rain, I don't know. Um, But Granite Hills, you've never golfed Granite before, but it's it's very pretty up there. I'm
0: told that it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, uh, and it's a tough, challenging course, narrow in parts for sure, Um, and it's long, like it's from the White's. It's like sixty two hundred yards. That's a longish course by Manitoba. Long for white, yeah, yeah. Um, But it was a you know ninety minute drive and had a had a good time up there. I made my return to you did yeah last week.
0: Another beautiful course, beautiful course, Pine Ridge. Donald Ross designed Pine Ridge. I was as I was as I was I was playing with the boss. And a couple other people. Actually, he asked me during the round. He says, you know, you've played at a lot of different golf courses yeah. around the world. And I've been blessed to play at a lot of different golf courses around the world. He says, is this a nice course compared to that? Right. And and it is. It's a beautiful course. The the, the, the courses in Manitoba uh, have lots of trees. like yes. So that's the thing about, you know, like in the tree-lined fairways, most of them, um, which makes them tough. Like if, if you're off the fairway they're usually pretty wide the fairways but if you're if you're you're in jail you're in jail you're yeah. lost good luck with that right you know what i mean so there's that but uh, yeah pine ridge is a beautiful course i'm not crazy about the greens um they're a little too fast and a little too challenging you know when you haven't played that i, I and even when i was playing at my best i was not crazy about yeah. pine ridge greens they're, they're they're super fast um but Lots of people like them. Um,
1: this was a best ball tournament you played in. which it was. Those are yeah. a lot of fun. And you yeah. and I are going to play a best ball event we in a are. couple of weeks. And we may even take our podcast
0: I think we will. on the
1: road with us. We should. Uh, we'll see how we can screw it up doing it remotely. Could we record it like,
0: oh, one, like one little segment af- at each hole?
1: I don't see why we couldn't. Couldn't we do that? Especially if we're having to wait. we like, got to wait. Right. You're we always can, waiting in a we, best ball. Will this so.
0: contraption work outside?
1: I imagine it would. It looks like a wasp, this contraption. (laughs) It never never works when it's supposed to work either. Um, And we're going to play. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. So we're going to play at, uh, well, it's either Pine Ridge or Elmhurst or maybe both. It's both courses. We're not not sure. Elmhurst is beautiful as well. Uh, Definitely up there along with Falcon where I played earlier this year as among my favorite courses in Manitoba. So yeah, we've been blessed. We've had good golf weather um, and you've made your, your long awaited return to the course. I'm hoping to get out. Uh, I, I wanted to play twenty times this year. I'm up to eleven, and I've got some holidays still. Uh, well, I haven't really played golf yet. No, because you don't necessarily count. Uh, I'm going to count the tournament as one no, of my twelve. One of my. It's 21. not a round of golf. It's
0: it's 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 not. Well, not. I'm getting
1: around to all eighteen holes. So yes,
0: that. Uh, <laughs> I, I maybe
1: different kinds of golf. Yeah, and
0: the char- and the, the charity golf tournament is a unique type of golf. Right. Like it's not. It's like social golf to the nth degree, and, and, and even social <laughs> golf is not really golf, zing. Um, but um, so um, I have to go get a, get out and play a game of golf, you know, where I actually yeah. get to play. I got to play my ball each Right, each where shot, you're you know I mean?
1: competing against the course and, and yourself. Myself, right, for, exactly. Like, for sure.
0: you, you go out to a, like a best ball thing and you just whack it. Now, so, you know, I hit, a, I hit some good shots. I hit a lot of good drives and hit some good shots, but I had some terrible shots yeah. too, right? Do you know what I mean? And, and didn't have to pay the price for that. So, right. Um, that's a very different game of golf. So we'll It see is. It. I, I'll, I'll try I, I might get out to Hecla. I'm going out to Heckla at the end of the month to do some cycling from Gimli to Riverton and from Riverton to the Gulf Harbor. But while I'm out there, I might go play a game of golf at uh, Heckla.
1: Well, uh, the courses should be uh, a little lusher now that we got a nice uh, soaking of much needed rain and there's some more heat on the way. I see it's supposed to be in the 30s again over the weekend and into next week. So uh, enjoy the the great weather, folks. And when we're back here next time, we should have a little more clarity on the jets and their cap situation. And and hopefully
0: they didn't get stung.
1: Ooh, good one, Steve. (laughs) Later, folks we mm-hmm.